You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Get your hand off me. Keep your hands off her. Don't fight. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, a podcast looking at movies and a series, one film at a time. This time around, we're continuing our look at the Twilight Saga with the Twilight Saga Eclipse, directed by David Slade. I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shurgi. With me is... Thrasher, and uh, the one thing I can't stand about this town is all the goddamn vampires. And Alex? I'm actually Gene Shallot. Twilight Eclipse won't have me howling for the moon. I'd rather be on the dark side of it. Werewolves and vampires, give me a break. Look at the film's budget. Now that's scary. Just kidding, I'm Alex Miller. I think Gene Shallot's still alive, which surprised me. I thought he had he, passed he is. already. He's retired, but he's still he's alive. alive and well. Yeah, he had. A, he retired after, or shortly after, a uh, um, controversy involving uh, Brokeback Mountain came out. I, did I tell my Gene Shallot story on there? No, did you meet him? So I won't tell where. It was a post office out here where I live. And um, mm-hmm. he was like reaming up this poor girl at the counter over like some stamps he was looking for. So I'm like, wow, that's Gene Shallot. Um, you can't miss him. He looks very Gene Shallot-y. Um, and sounds very Gene shallot So I go outside and I'm looking at my phone or something. And he walks out and I was like, damn, dude, you think she directed Heaven's Gate or something? And he's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, what was that? Michael Cimino behind the counter? And I don't think he understood what I was saying. So I just walked oh. away. Because <laughs> like he reamed out Michael Cimino for Heaven's Gate. He was like, how many like average, how many like middle class families could you have fed with a budget of your film? Let me tell you, like 43. I was like, okay, dude. Yeah, we get it. It was whatever budget. Did you watch it? Yeah, did you watch the early version or the released version or the re-released? Right. Or, I mean, speaking of... um. We'll get back into Eclipse in a minute, but I was, I was reading about director stuff and what Francis Ford Coppola is filming, uh, Megapolis or whatever in Atlanta. He's been trying to get that made for since the 80s. I presume and, uh, based on the manga Tokyo, the last Megalopolis. Uh, no, oh, no, no, no. Megalopolis. There's that one, too. Yeah, a, a lot of um, stuff with the title, but um, apparently, you know, it was like it's been... You know, he's had to fire some of the crew and stuff, and people were like, this is nothing new. This is a Coppola movie. <laughs> and, well, but yeah. I was like, if it's anything, this is basically, I mean, if it's anything like, you know, this, it's going to be another Apocalypse Now, right? If it's yeah, I mean, he, he did release a statement. They do. Um, there's a, a, a British director doing a documentary on the set about the making of it. Cause, um, oh, clearly, Coppola, Hearts of Darkness is awesome. Well, Coppola, you know, put some of his... I don't know if he sold part of a stake of his winery or something, but like he's paying for the budget himself and it's over a hundred million dollars because nobody would finance it. So it's really uh, curious how it'll turn out. But in, in some article, they mentioned that Coppola is, is coming out with new director's cuts of his more recent films, Twixt and oh, Tetro. Yeah, okay. 
So um, it's kind of crazy because those wineries kind of saved his ass. I forget what the whole story is, but he was locked in. This is like the Peggy Sue got married, Jack era of Coppola movies. And I think yes. like that reprieved him of having to like make a movie every year for a while. I think that helped close the deal on the winery stuff when, I mean, because wineries, they're expensive and they take a long time to make uh, wine because um, the process just takes a while. But we're not talking about wine, we're talking about Twilight Saga Eclipse. I first saw this by accident before the second film because I thought this was the second film. You thought That's it was the a titles Pink Floyd light show? What? I thought it That's was Dark a, Side a, of the Moon. Oh, a Pink oh, oh yeah, yeah, show. yeah. Right. Um, Which but, I have uh, seen. It's pretty awesome. I bet it would be, yeah. But this uh, is just one of those things, you know, it's, I watched it. I thought it was fine. Rewatching it, I um, I don't know. I think my, like, I remember so little of watching it the first time. It might as well have been my first time watching it for this. Um, Thrasher, what do you think? Uh, I think I think the romance is over. Uh, I, 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 this this movie this movie I did not enjoy and I think in part because it's it's three different movies constantly at war with each other and the moment you start to get interested in one of them oh don't worry they'll switch to one of the others wow mm. hot take y'all I thought this movie slaps I fucking dug it okay I yeah. mean parts I, I thought were really good but only parts there was there was no gestalt here when it starts, um, that dude's getting fucking tossed around and everything. And I'm like, watch, is this going to be like, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, this is too exciting. I was waiting for somebody to yell <laughs> cut and like Edward's like a consultant on like a vampire movie or something. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, they're going to do some meta bullshit because this is like way too good. And then my girlfriend's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you this movie's kind of cool. I'm like, no shit. And I was like, oh, it's David Slade. He did 30 Days a Night. That movie's awesome, too. Yeah, he did. He knows his vampires. Did, there's energy. Um, I think there's just a lot of energy to this movie. Um, and I think that the, the there's a lot of energy. There's conflict. We get some backstory to some of the characters. I dug that shit. Um, you get kind of like a colonialist metaphor allegory thing with the vampires and the wolves explaining their beef. I dug that. Um, the kind of fucking six pack versus jawline kind of gets ramped up. And I also kind of like it because it kind of reveals that I think Edward's kind of a dick. <laughs> he he kind of sucks in this. Like, well, no, they're both bad boyfriends. Like, Bella should yeah. be with either of them. Right. That's probably the actual right thing to do. And again, I mean, Jacob's the bad choice because, you know, your father likes him. So you're not going to date him, obviously. She she should find a nice young Dracula, uh, a, a nice young Frankenstein to start dating. Yeah, there we go. His and father's a doctor. doctor. It's great. Yeah. Exactly. But it was just like funny when he's like, oh, Edward's old school. I just like, he's like, oh, it would have been so glorious. I could get you iced tea at the fucking Regency veranda, the 1920s World <laughs> Fair. I was like, oh. what is that? Like when Edward was turned, did he have like the fucking lollipop and the overalls and the fucking blonde curls and shit? Like, the, oh, mother. The Lloyd, <laughs> the Lord Fauntleroy suit. Yeah. I'm never having so much fun. Look at those pale-faced gentlemen over there. They must be Scandinavian. Maybe they like a lick of my lolly. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so that is one thing that I did enjoy in this film. Lots of period flashbacks. Um, 
I wish there was. I wish there was more of that because yeah, we get you know we get some some stuff with him. We get one one of the one of the vampires in the Cullen family. We get her whole origin story about how she was like a debutante dating eligible bachelors, but then there's an impl- a heavily implied sexual assault, and then she extracts bloody revenge. She has her own like Kill Bill arc. Yeah, and you get that like amazing scene of her thing. like. It, exploding into her assailant's like hotel room, but she's wearing a, the wedding dress. I guess, presumably she would have worn had they actually gotten married. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's, that should be the movie. I want a whole cool. movie of that. Don't give me a spoonful of this and then take it away. Yeah. But and that was Jack Houston. Um, the fucking dude, he was a uh, fucking um, Richard Harrow in, in boardwalk empire. He, he was like the best part of that show. It could be the same character for all we know. Hey, there we go. I agree the action in here is more intense. I mean, one thing when this came out that was a big deal is the part of Victoria was um, recast because the original actress, uh, Rachel Lefebvre, um, I mispronounced that probably, Fevera, I don't know, uh, was uh, doing a Dustin Hoffman movie, Barney's version, that overlapped by a few days. Ooh. And they basically fired her off of this uh, Twilight Eclipse and they cast Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, uh-huh. You know, it's such a big part. They couldn't have waited three days to film her scene. Yeah, I know, or right? Maybe it was 10 days, but even that's still, like, it's not that unusual for actors to work on different films and have their schedule shifted around. It's well, not like... Well, she's and, barely... The character is barely in this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a strange choice. And I, I don't know if... Because even at this time... Bryce Dallas Howard, I don't think, had real name recognition. Uh, so I'm not quite sure why they did it, but there was all these campaigns to, oh, put the original actors back in, and that never happened. But, I kind of uh, forgot she was in it until I watched the behind-the-scenes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, well. But, yes. Um So, so I, I, yeah, I there was like I guess it starts with them like I thought the redhead chick was like a red herring and that maybe she was like in with the fucking werewolves and trying to like bait the Cullens over into their t- like turf or something. Now you see that that would be a cunning plan, but as we've learned in these movies, no one can execute or even formulate a cunning plan. No, not really. That's uh that's some that's a little more Anne Ricey territory we're going in. But um yeah. Even the okay. running effect, I was like, this is actually kind of cool. I thought it was stupid before, but, like, I don't know. It had a little more, again, it had more energy to it. They're yucking, jumping around. Like, I got, like, Yun Wo Ping vibes from this movie when they're, like, squaring off and showing off their stoils. No, like, they are, they are, like, more, more confident, I think, more effective, like, displaying, like, vampire powers in this. But it's just not in service to a story that I find particularly engaging. Like, or, or I guess it's, I get one third of three different stories, any one of which could be engaging in its entirety, but we're never allowed to linger and really take in any one of those, those three, three thirds of a story. I think the problem is that like the other two films in this one, like the story in this film isn't that great either. Um, But I think there's a lot of interesting shit that goes on in between or a lot of cool shit that like motivates this very flaccid story along. It was the same, it's, you know, Bella needs to get rescued, Bella needs to be protected, da, 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 sorry. Um, and this and that second one ended with uh, her being proposed to, and I thought they already made up, she made up her mind at that point, who does she like, Edward or Jacob, and this one, it just seems like it's just uh, 
treading water, not willing to sort of, you know, pick up right away where the last one left off. Instead, it, yeah, it seems feels to be, kind of like filler almost. It well, seems to have forgotten the choice has been made. But beyond <laughs> that, though, she's never really like the narrative never really allows her to explore her romantic options with both. I mean, you know, like, mm. you know, it's just Edward. I, I legitimately want to see her dating both guys and like having uh, having some more normal and these these movies I find are at their strongest when Bella is allowed to have like a real natural teenage moment. And those moments get rarer and rarer as these films go on. Yeah, definitely get that. Like when she goes to school and then Jacob's there, it's like, so she can just like piece the fuck out and like not go to school. <laughs> like she has a dad. That's like the most teenage girl thing going on here. Like that's about it. Yeah. And, and it never, and, and the funny thing is I also thought that there would be some sort of like, I mean, I guess we, we find out that she's like, grounded i guess because she left the country with yeah. no buy your leave in the previous <laughs> film but but at the same time it's like yeah yeah she we, we see her leaving school so like there's there's truancy i would assume he would have a stake in that there's, i mean he's a fucking sheriff right i think yeah. they frown on that stuff <laughs> and, and, and they remember to let him do some actual police work in this when he's yes. going through the missing persons reports <laughs> but that's kind of it just about. Basically, he's uh, he's a little Tom Scarrett. That's a, that's my new nickname for him. I could see that with the mustache. Yeah, I mean, also like, did they? I wonder if they ever thought of like, hmm, maybe make him a vampire or make him a werewolf or make him want to do a transformation and he gets curious and something his daughter is involved in. Or like, he's aware of them in like some capacity, you know? Like, yeah, right. I mean. I, I made that joke about it, quoting the Lost Boys at the beginning of that, but I do feel like that maybe that is something that this franchise needs, is just somebody who's generally observant, who's in on the whole occult conspiracy the whole time, he just never lets slip that he is. That would be a delightful turn. Exactly. Or like, if like, you know, Bella's like, I have to tell you something. Edward's a vampire. He's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> right. It could be a comedy or, or some. Because the, um, I think that the, the the acting in that character is uh, pretty good, but it's just they give him so little by the numbers stuff to do. You almost forget he's there until he shows up when convenient. Yeah, he's basically there to scoff and roll his eyes whenever Edward comes into the conversation. Yeah, buy her new pillows when she's done screaming through them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I remember when they go to Florida and like, She's like, it's got, you've got two tickets, right? And then, like, he's there. He's just, like, sitting inside, like, moping around. I'm like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, you're going to go to, like, the most notoriously, some like, sunny place in the country. Oh, and then, yeah. then the mother's like, you're going to go to the University of Alaska? I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> I... I, I just imagine like he uh, imagine the horrible flights that Edward would must have had to have booked so that he doesn't shimmer too much during the trip. He just has to wear a gimp suit like Brad Pitt did in that weirdo <laughs> fucking movie he did. You don't think there's a special vampire skin cream that makes the sparkling less obvious? Yeah, I know, right? They can freaking retcon all of this other weird shit, so I might as well just come up with that. 
Okay, so, so I don't know how much of this is an invention of the movies or something that they're lifting directly from the book, but you know, we, we talked about how, like in in the first film, the 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 there's a lot of violence, but it's kind of bloodless, and you never really see anything. Like you, you'll see like a spray of dust, but they cut away, so you never really see an injury. And in the second film, like when the vampires are getting tossed around, there's like this sort of cracking, peeling effect whenever they're injured that always like heals itself. And in this one, we finally see full on vampire on vampire and werewolf on vampire violence. And one thing that I I found was a fascinating choice, just the idea that the vampires don't so much get injured as they shatter. Yeah, they're like made out of statues or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're like I, I think I think the implication is like they don't change. They're like a statue. They're like crystal. You know, they don't bend. They break. Uh, right. And like the living tissue calcifies or something like that. Yeah. Which visually is fascinating. It is a neat is in a neat spin on you know like vampire lore. Uh, but at the same time, it allows you to show horrendous acts of violence and dismemberment that are completely bloodless, but it doesn't feel like a cheat. I mean, there is yes. something I would say equally horrible about like, cause like I, I've gotten some pretty bad injuries before, but if that bad injury caused part of me to shatter, Oh, that would be mm. even worse. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, is this like a T 1000 thing? Does it like melt and they come back if you like cut off a finger or something? Well, that is uh-huh. actually a question I had. Can they grow a limb back if they, survive? yeah. Cause I remember in the, in the uh, midsection of the film, when the, I don't remember the characters' names when the bad vampires are doing their thing. And one guy just like punches someone's head through and I'm like, why was he made of clay? Like was he a like <laughs> fuck, did I miss something? Um but again, I was like, that's how you can do violence and do cool violent shit with a PG thirteen rating. Um every now and then you hear that stock pot clay pot shattering sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's actually kind of cool. It kind of, it brings us, it, it reminded me, I guess, spoilers, I'm just going to jump around. It reminded me, like, what, the final scene where he beheads that chick. It reminded me, so I thought of Hoffman right away in, like, the original, like, traversing the uncanny valley of, like, the real not real. I'm like, wow, that actually just looks like this, like, kind of weird, like, humanoid autonomon, you know, when you just, when he yanks her head off. I'm like, that was pretty fucking cool. In a way, this movie is all about lore because we learn more like lore from the tribe. You know, we learn more lore of vampires. The problem is when when we learn more vampire lore in in this, it's always lore that exists only to raise the stakes. Ha ha ha! But <laughs> uh, but it's always like introduced way too late. Like. It's it's just like it's like oh by the way we need to tell you this so that this fight scene you're about to see makes sense like the whole idea that vampires are more dangerous like in the first few months of their existence because they're extra hungry but right. like lingering essence lingering human essence in their tissues kind of like invigorates the vampire part of their body that is a fascinating idea that really should have been seeded much earlier in the narrative if not in this film in one of the previous films like. When Bella's like, oh, make me a vampire, like, Edward should have said, no, do you have any idea what that'll do to you? And, like, describe this in the previous movie. Don't drop it on us here right before we're going to see a physical confrontation between the new vampires and the old vampires. Yeah, like, when they're at the tribal elder um, fire, and she's like, your history is a secret. Like, you've never let in an outsider. And it's like, gee, I wonder why. It's going to come in handy later. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
but I like I th- I totally dug that like colonial allegory of like the vampires are the colonists and the you know noble indigenous folk are fucking the cool uh, wolves and shit. Um, I, I thought that was really cool. And also for backstories, I fucking Jasper's character just like jumped like like yards ahead for me. I thought he was fucking awesome. And also you get like kind of a Western vibe. Blah, 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 blah. Alex loves Westerns. He's on a horse. It's a civil war. <laughs> and he looks a lot like James Keach there. I really don't think that's unintentional. Um What's funny, see, seeing him, seeing him like in the cavalry, like d- during the Civil War, like oh, now his haircut makes sense. Exactly. But but on top of that, the, although that, although that was that was something I was I was waiting for because like because we find we find out that he was in Texas during the Civil War, so he was in the Confederate cavalry, and the and perhaps I'm expecting too much from this movie, but I I I was ri- like. When, if you drop that kind of thing on, on one of your protagonists, please let me know how they feel about black people. <laughs> because in a world of podcasts, only three men are willing. Well, well, dude, what are you doing, James? You told me to do the the promo for the podcast, right? That's all we're yeah, doing. But I mean, you know, we could actually tell people about what we are i mean we're the famicast we uh bi-weekly show we talk about nintendo and games in japan uh, i'm danny and uh that was james and we got another guy what who are you again i uh, i'm a, i'm the i'm the saboteur i'm the the henchman i'm the, the interloper that's uh that's ty he is our anime trash expert <laughs> digs around in some ufo catchers for check us out we're in japan we like nintendo most of the time the famicast only on the tokyo beat network Okay, because like, because you could point out he was conscripted and he didn't have a choice because that did happen, regrettably. But like, don't don't tell me you were alive during that war without telling me how you feel now, because like, I want to hate this character immediately when yeah. I learned that they were in the Confederate cavalry. I think he alludes to it by saying like, I didn't fight. I I didn't see a single day of combat or something like that. Maybe like he wasn't very passionate about the cause. Um, but yeah, that I, is kind of a weird know, but give, to throw in and not actually like, you know, clarify. If, 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 but even then, like if he didn't support the cause, but was still conscripted and didn't have a choice, you could then create an interesting parallel between how he became a vampire. Cause again, he became a vampire to join a different vampire's army. And it implies he didn't have a choice. Like storytelling could happen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but, but once again though the flashbacks were so intriguing i'm like i wish we could just kind of stay in this period a little while longer i kind of felt like this was like uh the twilight saga origin story you know like like not not wanting to sound like like an executive but if you wanted to get another movie about this franchise just do an anthology film where we learn about all these vampires past and each one of their stories can take place in a completely different decade Right, like the vamp- the fucking vampires go on a camping trip, the werewolves go on a camping trip, and they each swap stories around a campfire, and we cut between the two. Boom, done. <laughs> like, yeah, it can't be that, that simple. Right, in, in that first film, you got a little bit of, of Edward when he was turned into a vampire, but it was like in black and white, and so focused with close-ups, you know, such a low-budget thing, he didn't quite get the historical scope you get in here with uh, Jasper's flashback. Yeah, 
and then I think we're still really waiting on Edward because he sucks. Um, oh, and also, too, like, <laughs> Alice has to come over and, like, basically, like, be Edward's, like, wingman and be like, you know, hey, I got the place to yourselves. It's like, have sex with her, you moron. God damn. <laughs> like, Edward's old school. He's like, oh, I kind of. And then the dad's like, I kind of like Edward. I'm like. I'd got to be a little, like, put off, like, what, my daughter's too good? You can't have sex with her? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> like, what's your problem, man? Like, that that would raise more questions. I'm like, you're a teenage boy and you're waiting for marriage? What the fuck? Yeah. Again, I mean, again it's, it's one of those things, like, I, 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 the more these films go on, the more I like Bella's father. And I like him trying to navigate his daughter's emerging sexuality. Like, that's, it's that's like it has some real emotional resonance to it but it's also kind of funny the way it plays out because he's right. clearly not prepared for it but it's also something he's clearly been thinking about for a long time i also like that they have the sex talk and uh bella's like no mom beat you to it like 10 years ago i'm like so they had the sex talk when she was like eight huh you know, I didn't do the math, but yeah, that that is Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess but it's who, good to be informed, but eight years old seems a little young, but I'm not a parent, so I don't know things. Um, but yeah, I just I, I just thought it was fun. Like, I remember, I guess, crude comment coming up when he was like, you know, you're taking precautions, right? And I was like, yeah, Edward microwaves a dishcloth before to warm it up. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh gosh. Maybe he's just bad at sex. That's why he dates high schoolers. It could just yeah. I mean, what's that joke from Monty Python's meaning to life? You take precautions. Oh, like locking the door. It's just <laughs> so silly. But, I mean Yeah, go on. Oh no, just just so something something that, that you know, because we, we get a lot of uh, of Bella just lying in bed, not really doing anything with, with lots of people in this movie, but that scene towards the end where you know Bella again they're using Bella as bait again, which yes. I got to question my relationship with this family if every time we hang out for a prolonged period I end up becoming bait in a turf war. Um, yeah, and but, it's like very life or death scenario. But like they're uh, like Bella and Edward are like in a tent, like in the mountains, and you know, good old fashioned Washington State snap freeze comes in, uh, and and Bella is basically freezing to death, and Edward can't do anything because he is cold uh which the, like, which this movie looks continues to dumb us. there he just it, looks well, like, like, like a it's fucking one of those, bozo wait well it's one of those things where one you can bring a heater there are those like hot chemical hot packs you can get yes but two i've camped in that exact kind of weather those sleeping bags work yeah you just like, zip people, that up and you're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people backpack with fucking Everest on those goddamn things. Like, but, also, I mean, the Cullens are very obviously people of means. They couldn't just like do a pop up cabin or something with a fireplace <laughs> and a heater. You know what I mean? They have like the fucking this dead tech nouvelle fucking mansion of modernity. I mean, like again, you can like erect like a little like fucking pop up cabin like lickety split. It would take no time at all. Yeah. I'm just saying. Or but, they but, could use their super speed to run to a hotel to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. we're not camping in this shit. What's this? You're going to sleep in the well, car? Rub a couple sticks together, you know, real fast. Or bring, bring a lighter, I guess. You know, yeah, they could sort of fire. Um, oh, he did bring a lighter. 
Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Just just what which he then threw away. <laughs> yeah. But he must have several. He collected them over the the, the decades. But the thing about the thing, but the thing about that is, of course, you know, Jacob comes in to check on them, but because he has a body temperature, he crawls into the sleeping bag with Bella to keep her warmed up. And this lead, this, this is a scene that we see out play out multiple times, where it's just Jacob and Edward talking about Bella's ultimate fate as if she's not even there. Yeah, And I can understand one scene like that, but there are way too many. And Bella never really, like, she, I, I feel like she never really takes takes the initiative. Like, when, like when, when they start having those conversations, she really should just say that she's her own person and that she'll make whatever choice she's going to make. Like, she doesn't seem to object to the fact that these two guys are always talking about what their future with her is going to be as if right. she has no agency in that. In that right, case. as if she's destined to fall into one of their arms, you know. There's no third option, right? Yeah, it, it's. I think it's one of those things where, like, the, the conservative sexual politics of these movies is now really starting to poison these movies. Yeah, I know. This is very much like your, your church picnic vampires. This would be like going to, like... When somebody like gives you like a Christian rock album, you know, like don't worry, they can rock. It's like don't mm. worry, vampires can be cool. Um, not not only can they rock, if they're car man, they can rap as well. Yeah, totally. <sighs> I was wondering. Uh, I thought it would have been good if like they're having this like deep conversation, and Bell's like, you know, just because my eyes closed doesn't mean I'm sleeping. Like I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been, been funny. Nice twist. I was also kind of waiting. I was like, maybe, is she gonna fart? Sleep fart? Maybe. This is this movie more like more so than the other movies. So I grew up playing a lot of uh, White Wolf tabletop RPGs, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, the two that most heavily apply to this movie. And when you go into like when you grew up with those games, when you go into Werewolf and Vampire media, you sometimes have to sort of forget that. Well, because here's the deal. There's some stuff in this movie that, like, oh, yeah, obviously they plagiarize it from Vampire the Masquerade, except it's something that Vampire the Masquerade plagiarized from somewhere else. Like, all the vampire business in this movie is just so bog-standard 90s vampire business. (laughs) Yeah, vampires raising an army for a turf war. I have seen it a dozen times. Right, yeah, that's pretty basic. And even I know that, and I know little of this world. But, but and and it, and it goes into like it's forgetting what the real story is because there's a whole thread early on when you know Bella's father's going through the missing persons report is there's a local kid who's been missing for a year. Well, it turns out that local kid uh, was made into a vampire a year ago by Victoria, and she's using him to make her vampire army using him the same way the Texas vampire was used back around the Civil War, and the and. You know, and, and that's part of the, like, he has this emotional conflict at the end. Like, well, he, she's just using you. She's going to kill you once you've outlived your usefulness. That's the story. Like, yeah, he should go. be the mm-hmm. protagonist of this movie. We should be seeing this through his perspective. I feel like you could edit out, like, half of the shit that goes on in the last movie. Use that for the finale of the first. And then, like, fuse this, like, space this out as, like, an epic second film. And, and you'd have and, a pretty solid thing. Yeah, and there's parallels 
between his relationship with Victoria and Bella's relationship with Edward that this film just ignores. But because in all honesty, what's happening with, with the, this guy is it's the worst case scenario of what could happen with Bella if she becomes a vampire. Yeah, they linger on that an awful lot. And again, it's like this whole thing is that she's just this fucking like piece of meat being passed around. And like we got a lot of that in the last film, a lot of fucking Jake, Jacob and Edward fighting over her, or you know, one trying to win the other's affections over. And, like, again, like, Edward just kind of comes off as, like, fucking possessive and creepy and weird. Like, he, like, sabotages her car and it won't start. He's, I don't know, he just kind of, he drives all angry when he drops her off with Jacob, like. And, like, Jake has, like, rubber is sent off on her and stuff. Yeah, lots of creepy scent stuff in this movie. Yeah, I know. I was like, ugh, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm one of those people, that, like, I don't celebrate my birthday because I don't like people singing to me. So, like, mm. I I just, that level of, like, attention on one on oneself, I think, is just, bleh, cringy. Um, again, that's a personal thing, so whatever. But you just think that after a certain period. Like, it doesn't really seem to attract with Belle's personality. She's, like, don't give me presents type person. So, like, I feel like if there was as much, like, emphasis on her, she'd probably just be, like, maybe I'll just move on with my life. I don't know. Like, I don't really, the love story between Edward and Bella, like, at least here they're, like, making out and, like, flirting with the idea of having sex. Um, again, teenagers, hormones, I, I, I just, again, I just find this hard to believe. But, um, but yeah, like, I kind of believe, like, I kind of buy the romance a little bit in this at points, but at other times, Edward just kind of comes off as just a mopey dick. <laughs> mopey dick. Mopey Dick. A pale monster rising from the darkness. <laughs> the Twilight oh. Saga Mopey Dick. <laughs> oh, we got to make that poster and put our faces yeah. on it. <laughs> oh, God. That's but, it's just... But hey, I can't say better soundtrack in this film. Not as good as the first one, but much better than the second well, one. Well, yeah, also, Howard Shore, too. Also includes a track, a Jonathan Lowe by Vampire Weekend. How's that for synergy? Ooh, I like that. Right, right. I mean, yeah, so overall, I don't know, this movie just felt unnecessary. I like the idea you mentioned earlier where you could do some kind of a fan edit thing and make, you know, I don't know, combine the first two films, make this one a bit longer, just make it have more stakes. It just feels like I thought Bella had made up her mind, like, why keep on doing this wishy-washy thing? Why trying to force this conflict again? We've already seen it. How many gazillion times is she going to fight these same evil vampires? Can't they just get like a vampire nuclear bomb or something? I don't know. Like there's. And and this also like you went to Italy in the last one. And that almost felt like that should have been something they saved for later, because that makes things a lot higher stakes and more interesting. And here it's just they go to Florida once they go to Florida once. Like, ooh, go to Florida. I mean, it's just. It just feels like more of the same. I would say sequel no to Twilight Saga Eclipse. Yeah, sequel no. Uh, like everything, and so many locations shots are clearly just sound stages with the digital backdrop. Oh, totally. And and yet the the artificiality of those scenes is so pronounced. I kind of wish the whole movie was filmed that way, and it was just a stylistic choice. It's just another creative half measure in what is otherwise a very competently directed film 
it's just not in service to any story that's worth it. The, the, this, all the most intriguing parts of this narrative are ignored, and unlike the previous films, the performances aren't uplifting the material. Interesting. Um, while I do agree the story kind of blows, I'm going to give this a sequel yes. I thought it had a lot of energy. The story had momentum. It moved quickly. Um, there were stakes. There were conflict. Uh, there was development. I, I really dug all that. Um, the action scenes, I thought, were much more energetic and inspired than the previous ones. Um, again, there's a lot of dumb stuff with the story, and I don't think you have a lead female protagonist who has little to no agency over what's going on. She's literally being carried throughout the film, literally, um, <laughs> yes. which is kind of lame because Kristen Stewart is fucking awesome. Um, uh, having said that, though, I thought it was pretty inspired direction and um, the Howard Shore score also helps juice things along. So I, I dug it. Um, sequel, yes, on Twilight Saga Eclipse. Uh, I mean, definitely not a great film by any stretch, but I think a um, noticeable improvement in the series. You know what I want? I want an edit of, of the entire, I want the entire saga edited down into one movie, but you cut out all the supernatural stuff and it's, it, it's, and, a, and it's yeah. just one young woman's descent into madness. <laughs> I could see that. Sure. It'd be very uh, Mary Volstone crafty. Or even what if you did it from like the dad's point of view where he keeps going into Bella's bedroom and, or, you know, looking around, trying to figure out why her behavior is so strange. And he just gets more and more confused the more he finds. Why, why her boyfriend has no pulse, you know, shit like that. <laughs> like, I have a pulse with this. What's your pulse, Edward? Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> like, how would you... Just casually you know, try to work that casually into conversation. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, we're going to do a workout routine. We're going to each do five jumping jacks and check our pulse. Huh? Aren't yeah. you... You know what my favorite thing is uh, is uh, uh, when I'm, I'm I'm working on dinner and I cut myself and I bleed just a little bit reminds me I'm alive. Don't you like bleeding? Don't you love that? Yeah. <laughs> I was making. I don't a know why. I don't know day. why he's foghorn leghorn in my version. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically just. I was making a salad the other day and I cut my finger. There's a lot of garlic in there too. How do you feel about that, Edward? Blood, garlic. You know, that's another thing. Like, they take some liberties with traditional vampire, like, vampire lore in these movies. I really wish they would take that further. Like, I wish they would. I know. Like, I kind of want to know what is this, what are these vampires, what's their perception on garlic, what's their perception of the cross, like. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny because, like, again, this feels like a very, like, watered-down, sexless, Christian fucking, you know, story. But, and yet, this these are vampires that seem to exist in, like, a secular, non-Christian world. Like... Crosses are never part of the conversation. They're they're twinkly in the in the light. Um, I thought they kind of flirted with the garlic thing in the beginning because they're like, "Bella's Italian, so we made Italian food." Right. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, weird." So again, Italian food, garlic. So um, let's move on to what you're watching. I watched a film that's been, I think it'll likely get some Oscar nominations, uh, but it's called The Menu, oh. starring Ray Fiennes and starring Nicholas Holt and uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, directed by Mark Mylod. Uh It's kind of like a, a black comedy, I guess. I don't want to say too much because I think the trailer gives away a lot of the big twist with it, but it, it's sort of a 
satire of, of fine dining, among other things. And Ray Fiennes kind of underplays it so much. I almost wish it, his part was played by Anthony Hopkins instead. Ah, that'd be nice. But has so either I, of you seen this one? Or Yes, yes, I have. Alex? I have not, actually. I was. It's yeah. on my radar, though. Did you like it, Thrasher? Over overall, yes. Like it did, it did, it perfectly captures uh, certain people's pretentious attitudes about food, which often have an overlap with pretentious attitudes about a lot of art that has a utilitarian base. Um, so, so that that was very pointed, very well observant. That being very well observed. Uh, that being said, there are a handful of moments when characters don't act like human beings. Yeah, and I, I think it, it starts out better than it ends up in that it, it kind of, at a certain point, it goes off the deep end where it, where I think before when it was kind of more teasing with what it's trying to do, it was more effective and it gets, you know, it's not it's not subtle, I guess I can just put it that way. As, as it as, In the beginning, it seemed like it might be more of a subtle little movie, but... um. You know, it was nice to see John Leguizamo in here. I was really surprised to see Judith Light was in here, who was uh, the mom on Who's the Boss. I haven't seen her in something in a very long time. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it, it it turns out this was filmed in Savannah, and parts of this was filmed on Jekyll Island. So Ooh. Huh. there you go. But yeah, this is on HBO Max. Um, the menu, it's a little bit... Uh, Kind of a different sort of comedy. It gets uh, violent at, at times. Huh. And it'll make you not look at s'mores the same way again. Anna Taylor Joyce in it. She's in everything. It what seems a... like it, but she's been making good choices. Although, I mean, I think if you make a good choice or a bad choice, it's just kind of luck, isn't it? Right? Because. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they, I think I say they because I just watched um, Last Night in Soho uh, last night for a second run. So uh, she and Thomas and Mackenzie, I think, are like the two big deal actresses right now. And I think they're both very well managed. Yes. Yeah, that's well put. They just do a lot of different things. Um, and I think she. There's something about her face, too. I'm not quite sure what it is. If she has kind of like an Amanda Seyfried things with the eyes or if the eyes are a little bit further apart in the face. Like it's like just you could always notice when she's in a room. And she's good at giving these kind of creepy stares. Yeah, she commands. I, she commands her presence quite well. I say. Yep. Um, Alex, what have you been watching? Oh goodness gracious! Um, I watched the latest Luca Guarda Nino movie, uh, Bones and All, a very different uh, kind of revisionist vampire love story. Um, y'all heard of this? Y'all seen this? Indeed. I have I have heard of it, I have not seen it. It's so fucking great. This is like the anti-Twilight, I feel like. Hmm. Um, you've got, like, you know, gorgeous people who, I don't want to say drink blood, but they eat people. Um, it's a little, not ambiguous, there's a little ambiguity to the movie. It's fucking really, 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 really beautiful film, but it's also really fucking violent. Like, not visceral violent like stab pick kick punch violent but like eating people violent i guess if that makes more sense um so yeah taylor russell plays this young girl who um for reasons i don't want to spoil has to 
just kind of take off and find her own way in the world. And also she, you know, likes to eat people. And along the way, she meets others, others like her. And it's kind of like a tale of self-discovery and romance and stuff. Um, but instead of, you know, twinkling in the sunlight, it's, you know, like being a grungy road kid, you know. Uh, Timothy Chalamet plays kind of like the southern fried, like, I don't know, twig. Um, he's just kind of like a grunt, like, kind of just like a quasi-punk dude, you know. He's rocks a Fugazi shirt. Um, but it, it's a fucking, it's like the southern baked revisionist gothic horror. Like, it's so fucking cool. Really creepy, and it's like earned creepiness because it really comes from the performances. You've got uh, Mark Rylance, who is phenomenal in this. He's so goddamn good. And uh, Michael Schulberg and David Gordon Green plays a small role, too. Which is really hmm. fucking weird. Uh, it's pretty good, though. Uh, Jessica Harper, Chloe Savini, um, Anna Cobb, uh, Timothy Chalamet, obviously, Taylor Russell. She is phenomenal. Um, this is a really wild fucking movie, and it's probably my one of my favorite things I've seen this year. Very and it's good. based on a young adult novel. I would never have guessed that, because this is not, does not court that, like, uh, wheelhouse. It does not feel like it's got young adults at all. <laughs> So is it a lot of, like, chewing on flesh and pulling flesh? I'm sort of picturing the uh, kind of infamous scene from Night of the Living Dead. There's, it alludes to it. It doesn't linger on it. Like, you know they're doing it, but you don't actually see them, like, chowing down. I see. Well, there we go. Uh, Thrasher, what have you been watching? I watched a, a lot of things, but here's how. So I... I have talked many times in previous episodes about uh, Real Wild Cinema, which is a showcase of clips from exploitation films. So it had a British counterpart. And I mean a literal counterpart, because the episodes all had the same titles and used the same clip packages. Um, but otherwise, it was a very different formatted show. Uh, I've been re-watching the British series Exploitica, um, the first series was, I believe, co-produced with Something Weird Video, who was behind Real Wild Cinema. The second series, I uh, called Exploitica Rides Again. Information is obscure, but I believe that was co-produced by Rhino. But, I mean, that's what it is. It's a show where they they cut together clips from different uh, exploitation films for comical effect. And they'll add new sound effects. Mm. They'll throw in captions. They will sometimes take an audio clip from a scene they showed you earlier and then insert it into something completely different, again, for comedic effect. But one of the key differences, it's a lot more rapid fire um, than real wild cinema. So... Uh, and it's it's a lot it's a lot breezier to watch uh just if only because they basically take whole movies and effectively cut them down into really sh into like sketches effectively um but the thing one of the things that really stands out though because this was a this aired on uh on channel 4 in the UK they don't have to cut around or cut out the nudity. So when they show like scenes from a burlesque reel, they just show you the scenes from the burlesque reel. Uh, and it, it makes it a whole different kinds of show. So it's a bit, it's a bit more strangely enough, despite being more engineered, it is a much more raw show, but it is thoroughly entertaining and it allows you to see a lot of uh, interesting film obscurities 
um, without having to sit through any filler. What was the name again? It's called uh, Exploitica and Exploitica Rides Again. Ooh, cool. It's definitely uh, worth checking out if you're a fan of, of B movies, C movies, burlesque reels, uh, and also oh, and also educational films. Uh, they would all they they had a, had a lot of fun pulling uh, clips from educational films from '98. Uh, yeah, it started in '98, and I think the uh, the last episode of Exploitica Rides Again aired sometime in 2000. There's some conflicting information. Uh, it it may have been like 2000 one when the final episodes aired okay this looks but very I think it's worth your time it looks very in my wheelhouse oh yes yeah it's a, yeah interesting concept um so we have a sequel like, scene oh go on yeah. oh no just think it, it wouldn't be out of place on like adult swim i wish adult swim would air right. something like this that makes sense but yes uh, our sequel scene yeah why don't, why don't you set up the scene because we were talking about this before the show so this was a scene that just delighted me because it really shows the humanity of the characters. It's, this is the infamous scene where Charlie Swan, Bella's father, is talking with Bella, and he tries to use it as a springboard to uh, to have a sex talk. <laughs> so we only have two characters in this one. We have Charlie and Bella. Okay. And um, who wants to play what part? Let's see... I wouldn't mind being Charlie. Okay, do you want to be Bella Thrasher? Oh, sure, I can do that. I can do the narration. I'm your daddy. So keep, yep. keep in mind, this is this is in the kitchen of the Swan Home at about <laughs> midday, presumably on a weekend. Forks at the afternoon. Yep. Because it's always easier to have the sex talk when someone has a sandwich in their mouth. <laughs> also, yeah. that sandwich. Two slices of dry bread loaded with bacon. Nice. So you can, yeah, so sometimes you just uh, want that bacon and have the bread to catch all the grease. It's a Forks classic. Stuff. All right, uh, let's get started. Let's go. All right. <clears throat> hey, you want a sandwich? No, I'm good. Well, his sister I like. Yeah, she's great. Hey, Dad, I was wondering, why didn't you get remarried after Mom? Uh, I don't know. I guess I haven't met the right gal. Why? Well, I I don't know. I I just just thought you might maybe you gave up on the whole institution of it, of, of marriage. But do you think there's any value in it? Yeah, marriage has value when you're older, much older. Like, your mother uh, seemed to work out fine for a second time around, later in life. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you definitely don't want to have to get married because we're not, um, you know, careful. What? You know what I'm talking about. There's uh, things you need to think about if you're going to be physically intimate. Uh, Okay, don't have the talk, please. It's just as embarrassing for me as it is for you. I doubt that, and don't bother, because Mom beat you to it like ten years ago. Kind of sounds like your mom jumped the gun. Well, you didn't have a boyfriend ten years ago. Yeah, I'm sure things work the same way. All right, so you guys are taking precaution? 
Okay, Dad, please don't worry about that. Edward is old school. Old school. Great. What's that, like a code for something? Oh, my God, Dad! I'm a virgin! Okay, glad we covered that. Runs up the stairs. me too. Virgin. I'm liking Edward more a little now. Bite sandwich. Chomp. <laughs> I, I like how Bella became kind of a valley girl. Yeah, it made me think a bit of, um, I was watching some old SNL sketches of the Gap Girls, and it sounds a little bit like Adam Sandler's. Delta, 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 can I help you, help you, help you? Yes. <laughs> but, like, like I'm thinking that. Like that whole, like, old school, is that code for something? Yeah, that's called using the butt to protect uh, the other virginities. <laughs> That's what that is. I mean, I'm thinking of the uh, maybe I should line from um oh what is it from Dirty Work where is it the character's father or grandfather or something the same like in my days we had birth control methods like pulling out that was our protection <laughs> or like um Big Mouth they go through like the various forms of contraception. Oh, there's the pull-out method, and it's just, like, this, like, drunken bro. And it says, like, invented about four minutes after sex was discovered. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I should uh, share that one. Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, you have to... <laughs> too, hot for the, too hot for the podcast. Listeners, you're welcome. Too hot for sequel test. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't say hot, actually. Uh, uh, ice code. It's, uh, you know, it would be like every bad stand-up album with, like, the person's face with the caution tape over the mouth. Oh. With, with a caption, yeah. like, triggered or sensitive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, my God. That's never been done before. Too hot for TV. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Great. So, next time around, we'll be talking about... The uh, the fourth film in the series, Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn, Part One. So well, the first, we the just first start putting numbers. The part of the end. I mean, this was a real thing at the time. They did it with the last Harry Potter film. They did it with uh, the last Hunger Games film. I mean, I think I think it's really irritating. In in the same oh, yeah. way, when they have seasons show up on on streaming services, it might be like season two, part one; season three, part two. And it's for the, because of the simple fact that it makes money. Kind of like how we had two Soprano season sixes. We're we're going to see this happen again, I am sure. I like, and, and I feel like it's it's either like I'm, honestly, I am shocked that the third movie in the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trilogy, didn't arbitrarily become two movies. You know that had to have been talked about. Oh, without about it. whether having a trilogy with four parts would hurt the brand or not. Um, right. And, and I feel like it, it is either, it is either going to be a, another like adaptation from a book or book series, or, or it's going to be a Marvel movie and someone's going to be like, well, you know, that one Avengers film was technically two parts. Let's just do a whole movie like that. <laughs> I mean, so much stuff is, is like, right. So much stuff is like miniseries and stuff. Now I don't know what to, to do part one part two it just feels i mean i don't think you would release a book that just says blah 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 part one it ends with well, or I mean, did they well like a lot of like fantasy books it'll be like book one of the thorpelson saga that's yeah, different though that, At least that, right. that makes sense but to have in the title 
part one just is so tacky or you could change it maybe so the second part is called something different like breaking dawn dawn broken i don't know like <laughs> break harder i i heard um a friend of mine they were doing this uh the um monsters never die podcast and they were joking about like what if elevated horror films came out like 30 years ago we'd have like hereditary <laughs> 2 payman's revenge mm. uh the witch returns um oh that's great it follows <laughs> no, be the witch again. takes new manhattan <laughs> yeah it, it, it follows again no it follows again in space yes <laughs> Get out now. That. Hell yeah. Get out now. <laughs> <laughs> us? Nope. The sequel still to no us is we. I still think one of my favorite sequel titles was um, the whole series, I guess, is direct to video, but it was Sometimes They Come Back. Oh, yeah. For more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Sometimes They Come Back and Sometimes They Come Back Again and Sometimes They Come Back for More. <laughs> And that third one is just, oh, come on, that's really stretching it. But <laughs> there okay. you go. So, yeah, we're talking about those uh, Breaking Dawn Part 1 next time. So for sequel cast uh, 2, this is, uh, or you can catch me on Twitter at uh, MATWBT. You can follow uh, me on Instagram at WTT2Art. I can follow me on Twitter at crabnebula1914 and drop by oh, my no. YouTube channel. Yes, yeah, I can drop by my YouTube channel, um, The Trailer Project, and check out a short film I've directed. It's called Burnt by the Sun. If you put that into the YouTube search, it turns out there's a death metal band of the same name. So just type in Burnt by the Sun Experimental Short if you want to see it. There we go. Very good. So for sequel cast two, this is Matt. This is Thrasher. NDR, this is Alex. Saying, let's face it, I'm hotter than you. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to put you in mortal danger again, but I'm also waiting for your marriage, and I'm gonna button up my shirt and sleep on the couch. Yeah, this is really romantic. Seems like a good time for bacon sandwiches. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll order a BLT. Hold the L and the T. I mean, I hope that's a running gag later in the series. I don't think it is, but any time the dad is there, he's offering people sandwiches. He's eating increasingly larger bacon. <laughs> she opens the fridge and like five pounds of bacon fall on the floor. Like, dad. <laughs> she opens up the uh, silverware drawer and it's just full of sandwiches. <laughs> 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 pre-made like, bacon strips in the knife holder it's like yeah uh, being sheriff's knife i always wanted to have my own sandwich shop just serves you bacon sandwiches you don't need i was a kid you don't need utensils if you got all you got of sandwiches <laughs> as far back as i can remember i always wanted to own a sandwich shop i got my investments in the bread company <laughs> sliced bread was invented in forks i thought they should call it knives no, they, can, they can be called, that's what it can be called. It can be called Knives Over Forks. That's his <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. And it just says one thing on the menu, bacon sandwiches. Or yep. two things on the menu, bacon sandwich and bacon sandwiches. You can get an open-faced just... one, but you have to pay a plate charge. Right. And, uh... It's a deconstructed BLT. <laughs>
I think the only condiments would be bacon flavored condiments, so bacon mayo. Yeah. Bacon, bacon not bacon aioli, bacon mayo. It's it's called branch. It's it's bacon ranch. Right. <laughs> we don't like the fancy city folk sandwiches. We just like our bacon and hard white bread. Inside.